Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Office of Special Investigations, the Air Force's federal law enforcement agency. I'm Hannah, his daughter, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I have always been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Welcome back to True Crime Archives, everyone. Today we have another really interesting case to talk about when it comes to genealogy, Dad. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, this one, it's actually very similar to the one we did, uh, the case from 1967, Susan Galvin, where they did the DNA genealogy. Yeah, so this one is a little bit more recent. Uh, with it being solved, I mean, <laughs> recently solved. Yes. And they did take... We have good news for our listeners then? Yeah, <laughs> for <Okay>. once. Okay, <laughs> Sorry, for guys. once. Okay, so today we are talking about, uh, what's the SPC? I want to give her her S- correct specialist. title. Specialist. She's an specialist? army specialist. Okay. I asked Brian. She's an army specialist. But he wasn't totally sure on well, the he army. Was, he was yeah. a marine. He wasn't totally sure on the Yeah, the your ranks. husband's a marine, so... <laughs> Okay, so we are talking about specialist uh, Darlene Krashok. 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 So she was a 20-year-old active duty soldier in the Army, as I just said. She was stationed at Fort Carson in Colorado Springs, Colorado. She worked as a mechanic and was assigned to the 73rd Maintenance Company. On March 16th, 1987, so we actually are coming up on, what was it, the 34th year? 34 years? Yes. So we're coming up on the 34-year anniversary of this pretty soon. Uh, But on March 16, 1987, she went out to a club named Shuffles with some of her coworkers from her unit. Um, She was just dancing. They were just having a good time. Darlene was seen leaving the club between midnight and 1 a.m., and she would not make it home, unfortunately. About four hours later, around 5.20 a.m., two police officers were doing just their nightly walk right patrol, patrol. Uh, probably in a vehicle 1987 random patrols so they're just doing their patrol and they come across her body behind a korean restaurant it was about a mile away from the club that she had been at darlene had been badly beaten bitten sexually assaulted and strangled to death for a while this case actually does go cold law enforcement continued to work on it over the years retesting dna in 2004 and again in 2011 It is not until 2017 that investigators are able to put together composite images of what the suspect would look like using a phenotype, which I have a definition of that. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll talk to that. I have I have uh, Paraben Labs's uh, explanation of that, too. Yeah, we're revisiting Paraben Labs, guys. I don't know if you remember that. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that first one. Uh, the phenotype is going to come up with what he looked like in 1987 and, and in 2017. This composite was released to the public along with a $10,000 reward for information. However, nothing would come of it. But in 2019, which was a good year for all this stuff, um, is when they the investigators sought out the paraben, the nano, was it the paraben nano lab? Um, thanks to the Golden State Killer case being solved. So. Right. Another one inspired by the Golden State Killer. That, that was 2018. I, I think I read something that there were 60 cases. There's been 60 it was like the end of 2018. Right. There's been 60 December. cases solved since that um, since that case using genealogy. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I, w- I would want to talk about all of that. <laughs> 
So we're going to talk about why people put their profiles in in the Jedmatch, which is the is the company mm-hmm. that. So remember, if our, our listeners remembered, uh, um, Ancestry or Twenty One or tw- it was like Twenty Three Me. Twenty Three Me. Yeah. Um, those any of the websites th- that they you don't can get they testing. don't work. They admit it. They don't work with law enforcement. But Jedmatch, what they do is they take your DNA profile that you have from there. And they say, we'll take it and we'll aggregate well, it. No, you have to actually physically yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah, you, you have to physically that's what I'm put saying. it in. You have yeah. to give it to them, right? Yeah, you have to give it. And, and I read something that they w- they were talking about, their successes, and they said s- there were some people that said, hey, we have a bad guy in the family, so that's why we want to submit our profiles because we don't want, just in case something crazy happens. That's unbelievable. Good it? for them. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that's right. awesome. So that helps explain, like, like, why would you do that? And then, mm-hmm. you know, the controversy is, well, you're ratting out on your family. Well, I mean, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like if you know, care. so that's a that's a good reason. If you have somebody that's just that psychopath in the family, and they're like on the edge of really doing something, yeah, go put your DNA profile in Jetmatch. And yeah, and okay. Anyway, so this is kind of a sequel. We should say that not well, not like a second part, but like it's a sequel in terms when of it comes DNA. to yeah the the Parabens Nano Lab and all of the Jetmatch stuff and everything. purely coincidence that we yeah continue with this and when we air this it'll be two days from st patty's day uh which is when she was murdered right 30 34 years ago so right okay okay so that's a little summary of everything so we're gonna break it down um like i said this does go cold for a little bit law enforcement so it's actually army cid and the colorado springs police department correct so they're all working together correct and it ends up being the Cold case, the Colorado Springs cold case homicide unit and fugitive. Ta- there's Hold like on, a fu- yeah, there's like a fugitive task force cold. It's uh, the I violent offender fugitive yes. task force CSPD cold case homicide unit and Army CID. Right. Yep. So the reason so it's it's an a- act. Uh, I knew you were so <laughs> an active duty Army victim. Right. So that's where the Army CID comes in. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's an army soldier too, so mm-hmm. they would have jurisdiction over that. However, the crime happened off the Fort Carson base, so oh. the Colorado Springs Police Department have jurisdiction over the location where the crime happened, and they would also have um, concurrent jurisdiction over the the subject I- as well. So it's probably what we used to call a right. joint. Right, so I'm have more questions later when yeah. we get to that. <laughs> so it's probably called, it's, uh, the, the Army probably considered it a joint investigation. Remember, Colorado Springs Police Department and then Army CID is a federal law enforcement mm-hmm. agency. So it's possible that they have more resources. And mm-hmm. we'll, I think we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, yes, yeah, so they probably considered it a joint investigation. Oh, okay. In 1996, they reach out to the FBI. So now they're going to get another agency involved. They reach out to the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit. Mm-hmm. So for those of you that watch Criminal Minds, this is going to be similar. That's that's basically the unit. They call or it something Mind different. Or Mindhunter. Mindhunter, right. my favorite Netflix. I forget about that one because I've never my seen My favorite that one. Netflix um, <laughs> show. And I'm, the third season was supposed to be in 2020, but it has. so sorry. Yeah, so... <laughs> And then there's some We're books. We're getting a new season I'm on of my Criminal third book Minds. now from about um, 
Douglas, the author, the the person that started the whole behavioral science. That's okay. what we talk about. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So just for reference for people who don't know, that's an actual real thing. So they reach out. Uh, I didn't know it was a real thing back then, though, in the 90s. I thought that was relatively new, but mm-hmm. at least in 1996. So they reach out to the FBI's behavioral science unit. Uh, but unfortunately, they were unable to help them because they said they had never seen someone be killed in this in this way. Because so I mentioned she was strangled. She was actually strangled with two different items. It was a wire hanger. And then do you have the second one? Yeah. So it said the autopsy revealed this. So she was strangled mm-hmm. with a coat hanger mm-hmm. and leather thongs. Yes, that's what it was. On top of a- after be- being be- after being and securely beaten. beaten bitten sexually assaulted mm-hmm. and they also believe strongly that y- the autopsy can tell you a lot of things and they believe strongly that the place where they found her was not the place that the bad guy killed her right i read that uh their theory they were working that uh whoever killed her threw her out of a moving vehicle y- that pro- that tell what that tells me is maybe there was a lot of broken bones mm-hmm. uh, that that was could that so go along with the severely beaten? Y- yes. So severely beaten is, is one thing, but then, you know, that means maybe the head there's a lot of fractures, mm-hmm. the, the upper arms or something. But the medical examiner most likely saw a lot of broken bones, you know, legs, ankles, feet, everything that suggested they probably were thrown out of a car or, or something like that. I mean, they, the medical yeah. examiners know these kind of things. They they examine um, bodies from car accidents and things as well. So that's that's what my my thought is uh, about that. Okay. So the uh, like I said, they the FBI is unable to help them yes. with this. They're y- like, yes. mm, we can't help you. Uh, so the behavioral science unit, right? Because you mm-hmm. said they they didn't understand. They yeah. didn't have anything. They said they'd never seen anyone be killed like this before. Yes. They had no clue where to even start when it came to like the behavioral side. So Trying to give them like a profile. Right. It was probably maybe 10 years or so in its infancy. The behavioral science unit. Right. 77 to 87, maybe 10 to 15, 15 years in its infancy. And they were researching serial killers. Right. So people that killed right. over and over and over again. So if something showed up to them that was sort of a uh, a signature for a serial killer, they would have been able to help. But they hadn't seen anything like this, so they couldn't place their thumb on it. Right. Uh, after this, it kind of goes cold for a little bit again in but in 2004 and then in 2011, they're going to reopen the case for some lab testing because they end up finding some unknown DNA. Yes. So in 1987, they collected evidence. Mm. They collected, uh, obviously, they had the clothing from the victim. Mm-hmm. And then they collected some cigarettes a- in, in the area, too, cigarette butts. That's yeah. that's weird. I don't. If they believe the body was was thrown there. Uh, I mean, the the bad guy would have been smoking a cigarette after he just dumped the body. I don't understand I mean, that. She was found behind a Korean restaurant. But no, no, I, I get so it. But like you, have to, you have to, can't. I know. But so, but in 1987, you know, as compared to some of the other cases we talked about, like 57 and 67. Wow, we did one in 57, 67, and 87. <laughs> We're gonna have to go back and do one in 77 then. I don't know if you guys have noticed. I pick a lot of because I've been picking the cases. I pick a lot of old cases. So. So they collect, they have everything. They collect mm-hmm. evidence. Right. They collect DNA. They have everything. So they, so they preserve it. 
and now we're in a position to make, hey, is there, DN- is there DNA on this? Right. So they collect uh, unknown DNA. Um, they actually are able to say that it's genetically a male sample on several pieces of the evidence. So I'm assuming that was the clothing. Yes. What What year did... Where are we at now? Did you say what year? So 2004, okay. 2011. They do this. They unpack that DNA both years because, uh, you know, as the years go on, yes. we continue to have advances in DNA and the science. So they multiple times try and test it. So they got DNA from the pubic areas of, of um, uh, the victim, the neck, some cigarettes. In 2004, they considered it a partial DNA profile. What they were able to do, though, is eliminate some suspects. Of course, you don't know who those suspects are they, they, because they uh, eliminated them. Right. They, they put the profile in the database, the FBI database, and this would be the database of all known bad guys, and, and nothing, nothing what hit. What was it, CODIS? C- CODIS, yeah, right. So, um, so nothing, nothing hit at this point. Okay, 2004. All right. That's going to be so frustrating. Uh, like you have yeah. this database and you're like, oh, easy peasy, well, and then nothing. Right. So remember I talked about this in a previous episode, you know, because you, you talked about the shows. What about the shows? They, You get it. Yeah, you get it back in five minutes. That's not true. It always seems to be a match in the shows. Right. There's always someone. But so many times it's not, and you just you just move on. The good thing here is they had collected evidence and they had enough DNA, but as we're going to talk about in a second, as the years go on, they take the evidence and they say, hey, search for more DNA because they have better techniques and more technology and they're, they're able to recover m- more DNA. Oh, so you can keep recovering DNA from like clothes if you've already. Right. So. Oh, that's cool. Well, well yeah. So it's, it's the techniques and it's the technology that the labs are using. So I was going to say, because I like I know when you test DNA, it takes some of it each time. Like it makes the sample smaller and smaller. So I was going to say, how do they continuously. Right. That's a sample. Right. But you can go back and get more from so, the clothing. So remember today, mm-hmm. t- touch you, you touch the desk here, you touch mm-hmm. your computer, you leave it, you leave DNA. Right. Maybe back then they were looking for semen specific, you know, and if you if you collected that one little spot, yes, the more you use it, the more you uh, take away from it. But maybe they send the pants in and then they say th- then they cover the whole pants for some trace DNA. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, advances yeah. in technology got, got better over the years. So they're able to as long as you keep preserving the evidence, they're able to, hey, send it in and subject this to that new fancy newfangled technology that you have now and see if there's any more dna so it doesn't specify that but that's that's what sounds like what's going on here that's cool all right so 2004 2011 ish they they took another look and they have a profile so they're like oh okay we got a partial profile right nothing comes back in codis though and they're kind of stuck again Mm -hmm. at a cold case in 2016 so we're going to fast forward five years Right, so they're like, oh, cold case team, it's cold again. Yeah, but th- I mean, they're still actively mm-hmm. working on it. They probably, they Taking probably put it in stuff. a in a pile of priorities, mm-hmm. and because there was DNA associated with it, it's probably in at least the. We're gonna look at this case. Right, I read pile. that they were continuously doing interviews yeah, over yes. the years too. Uh, r- right, so they've had suspects. You don't, you're not gonna get this information because they were cleared. So that's just not gonna be public information because right. they weren't. They weren't bad guys, so. 
So we're fast forwarding five years to 2016. Army CID and Colorado Springs police end up submitting 27 pieces of evidence to the United States Army Criminal Investigation Laboratory for additional DNA testing. So this is them going in again for more DNA testing. But they're also going for an evaluation for phenotyping. Right. So I did it again, Hannah. I, I talked about the pants <laughs> a minute ago, but it was in 2016. They send the pants in. The pants were one of the, was one of the uh, pieces of evidence. Oh and, yeah. And they got a DNA DNA from the pants. So remember when I man, I keep doing that. I always I always jump forward. So again, they <laughs> they sneak peeks. So they had. So in 2004, they had DNA from the pubic area and the neck. But now they say, hey, let's... So that was a swab, right? That mm-hmm. was some swab that they got because the body is obviously uh, buried at this point. So 2016 is when they right. send it back in and say, let's they go through this. They send the pants this. in, right. let's go through it. So the the swab or, or the portion of DNA they had from 2004, maybe that's starting to diminish, as, mm-hmm. you, as you talked about. Now they send the pants in. I use that as an example, and there it is. That's what yeah. I said. I, keep, I always jump ahead, sorry. And they actually recovered a profile they considered a stranger profile and they titled it as unknown number unknown, one yeah. so this is a full profile so now in december 2016 they have a full profile dna profile that is not the victims no you're jumping ahead oh. well yeah you, th- december 16th yes. is but i'm going to explain uh, phenotyping for our listeners no 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 no, no right no right. no we'll get there but i'm just saying at this point they have a dna profile DNA. of somebody who is not the victim all right now what do they right. do with it well, hold on. See, you're still jumping. Oh, sorry. Sorry. So what I so we're in 2016 when they're just sending the information. Sorry. So they they've sent it to the lab. We don't know um, anything yet, and they're also sending it for evaluation for phenotyping. So I'm going to explain phenotyping oh, yeah, before yeah, yeah. we get uh, to I, December. I, I forgot because that's uh, oops. <laughs> sorry, everyone. Okay, so. I have a couple uh, descriptions from the dictionary. This is exactly how our discussions used to go before we did this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it was really all over the place. Yeah. Us arguing. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. Not I arguing, mean, we but yeah. sometimes when yeah. I disagree. <laughs> anyway, okay. So phenotyping. So it is described as the observable physical or biochemical characteristics of an organism, as determined by both genetic makeup and environmental influences. The second description is an individual or group of organisms exhibiting a particular phenotype. So basically, it is the process of predicting a person's physical appearance based on their genetic code. So it basically gives law enforcement like a ballpark guess on what a suspect could look like from down to like freckles, eye color, like ethnicity and race, hair color. They, I read that they can even sometimes determine if people are uh, balding. Yes, right. If 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 the the familial DNA has male pattern baldness, I guess. Right. Yeah. But there's all. Yeah. The bummer is there's other environmental right factors that that they can't that they can't like smoking. Does a person smoke? Does a or obesity? Right. Any any kind of but so environmental thing. At this point, I can. I can only imagine that they thought we have a DNA profile. It's not in the system. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Let's try this. Which is different from 
Susan Galvin, and I believe mm-hmm. I, di- I didn't see them do this in the Golden State Killer case. I no, no, correct no, me no, if I'm wrong no, on that. They didn't, they didn't do they didn't. phenotyping there. No, and this is, to be so honest this with is you, a this, little the, different. this is the first I've heard of it when we were researching this case. I think I've seen it before, but not. Okay, so what do they do? So what do they do with this phenotyping? They, they so do what? They come up with a picture of what the suspect would have looked like in 1987 and in 2000. 16, mm-hmm. 2017, whatever, the current year or the next year. They come up right. with a picture of what they could look like. Mm-hmm. And they put together a wanted poster. It's a pretty cool wanted poster. Yeah, I'm going to post, post it. That? Yes, on, I'm going to post it for everyone yeah. to see. Yeah, C- CID did that. So And a $10,000 right. reward. CID, CID the that. Army, yep. the Army. So it, this, and I think CID also probably paid for the DNA phenotyping, right? I was going to I was gonna ask. Yeah. So I, remember I, I said that, where it said that a minute ago, joint sort of joint case. This is how this this thing works. Yeah, and most of everything that I read, it just kept saying detectives or investigators. Right. It didn't really just like differentiate between the two. So I can tell you, it, it probably was a lot of money, right? Yeah. So the the Colorado Springs Police Department is a pretty good sized police department. Uh, That's maybe where Joe Kendo's from. Yes, <laughs> uh, he's from Denver. He's from he Denver. From, no, uh, Denver. I thought he was with oh, Colorado. Maybe, maybe he's so. with Colorado Springs. Oh, now you got to tell everybody who that is. Who doesn't listen to us? Who, who don't listen to us? If you don't know who Joe Kenda <laughs> is and you're listening <laughs> to, to this podcast, <laughs> I don't think you really like true crime. Right. So <laughs> I'll post something Army, about that too. Army CID felt probably that this was important enough let's spend the money mm-hmm. let's take the lead on that because we also they also i said we because let me back up for a second in the air force when i was a criminal investigator army cid was uh, were our counterparts mm-hmm. and the headquarters is all at the same building so but in the military side they probably thought this was important enough and they said let's spend the money let's offer a ten thousand dollar reward and let's spend the money to go uh, get this phenotyping thing and let's let's create the wanted poster it's really cool right i mean it's one of their own one of the right. their soldiers so so exactly yep well and i'm willing to bet the army probably stepped in because it's an army victim so they yeah. don't they don't like that i don't know why they wouldn't um take the lead anyway because she was army right i feel like they would take the lead it, i talked about that earlier it's yeah and we don't know who the subject is right let uh, right. So, I'm yeah. <laughs> we will in a minute. Yeah. They put out that um, wanted poster, like I said, and the reward. Mm-hmm. Nothing really comes of this wanted poster. Yeah, they kind of skip skip over that. So it tells me that it didn't help. Right. K- are you going to post a picture of the bad guy, too, when they arrest him? Yeah, I'll do that. And I'll let, I'll, let I'll ev- show everyone. Yeah, yet. let our listeners decide it, what the phenotyping did. Is it does it look like him? Would have it moved the needle for somebody? Mm. I, I'll I give my opinion. when we get to yeah, that. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Get, I'll, I'll say what <laughs> I, I think. I'm, uh, I'm not sure, but let, let, post that. On, on yeah, the, on the I'll Instagram. post it for you guys can see. So you okay. guys can see. You guys can tell us what you think. All right. My, that's March 13th, 2017. The composite sketch is released. Okay, so that's where we're at with the $10,000 reward, which is also an anniversary, too. Like, that's it's good, close to the anniversary. It's good, good timing. So, like I said, nothing comes of that. Then early 2019, CSPD and Army CID reach out to the Parabon Nano Lab in Virginia, which is the same one as the Susan Galvin case. And if I'm remembering correctly, that was around the same time that 
they reached out to the Parabon Nam- Man 11 Susan Galvin case, too. It, it was, like it, it was early 2019. Year, if not the same, a year later. Yeah, right? it was if, early 2019. It, January. 2019? 19, so yeah. Because so it, they were reaching out at the same time. Right, because it was inspired cool. by the Golden State Killer, as we, right. as we mentioned. So. so I just, you know, that goes to show the precedence that was set in that, and I just think that that's really awesome. So they reach out to the Parabon Nano Lab for the genetic genealogy. And through this, they were able to come to a Michael White, who at the time was 58 years old. So I think you had what you said was how they kind of got to him from there. It was through cousins also, someone in Texas and Wisconsin. Right. So if you remember now, so Parabon is paired up with Jedmatch. And they start doing their investigation. So, and and they they take that profile that they had. So they they have a, a a full profile now, and they start putting it in their system and and, and trying to find matches. It, it hit on three people, uh, between Texas and Wisconsin. So there were three people. They they don't really talk about that, you know, relatives, et, et cetera, but. They tracked it back to who they believed to be Michael the White. suspect. Michael White. Right. Okay, so we got a suspect, so what do we do? <laughs> They're going to follow him. And what I read, it was both, again, Army CID and CSPD. Right. Which, I want to see that play <laughs> An Army CID person and then a police officer going undercover following. I think that's pretty cool. They're working together. They are going to follow him to a fast food restaurant where he discards like a cup that he was drinking from. R- right. So let me let's can we step back for a second? Yeah. So probably Colorado Springs start researching their databases and records and said, "Hey, you know what? It looks like this guy was in the army back in the 80s. Hey Army CID, go pull your records and start researching." So now you have to do some background. You don't just start mm-hmm. uh, so they do some background and they found out, guess what? He was in the army. And he was stationed, years. right? That's weird. I'm not. I can't figure that out. Nineteen years, like okay. why? So, <laughs> so I asked Brian that question too. I was like, why only nineteen? Yeah, years? I, I don't. I don't. And know. Brian said that he thought that maybe back in the eighties and seventies, it was instead of twenty years, it was a nineteen, or no. maybe it depended on. That's that's your Marine Corps husband. <laughs> that's I don't think that's uh, because remember I was in during this time. I I don't know why. Yeah, but you maybe, didn't. You didn't. Maybe it was an early. Maybe he qualified for retirement or something at at, at, at 19. I, I don't know. But uh, So that is weird, right? I thought it was I, weird. I thought it was weird, too. When I was reading it, I was like, 19, that's why. So they found out he was stationed at Fort Carson September 1986 to August 1987. And he lived three blocks from where the body was found, where, wow. where Darlene's body was found. That's pretty good evidence pretty good right I- information so now they're talking with the Colorado Springs Police Department and said okay let's let's target this guy let's focus on this guy and now we jump to as you said so they start surveilling him right so they're gonna they follow start him, following him to fast food remember we talked about this yeah we like we, <laughs> you asked me, you asked me that question before mm-hmm. and you said dad I've heard about like them discarding a coke can or something and then I said yeah you, you know you have to well, you said you've taken a Coke can from uh, someone too. Yeah, yeah, well, in the in the interrogation room. Okay. I, hey, would you like something thing. to drink? <laughs> yeah, sure. Here, we brought him in a Coke or whatever. I don't know if it was a Coke <laughs> or not. I'm, I'm not advertising for Coke. 
and and um and then they're done drinking we took it so we had control over that situation right we can it was on video we can control it so we talked about that yes so they're they're probably they're doing surveillance and their their goal is to pick up some sort of dna so they probably have this all well thought out Mm -hmm. you know how do we how do we collect it who's going to move in for the dna you know to collect the object or whatever right and they get them at a fast food restaurant it's funny they don't i don't know which one but that would be interesting yeah everything i read just said fast food (laughs) restaurant he drops his cut. Uh, I'm assuming away, he threw it away. I, yeah, I mean, yeah it's weird. Say. Like, you, you know, so they, they, you can only imagine they moved in and grabbed this cup. The people working there were probably grabbed like. It, right, <laughs> grabbed this cup. They're probably digging through, you know, got yeah. the whole trash. Like, you have to, um, like, you have to maintain control. Now, the court, the case mm. is still pending. So I hope, I hope they have it together. I hope they, uh, you know, had someone posing. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll get that for you. Um, I'll clean up for you. Maybe they had. Someone working there, or they act yeah. they were acting like someone. I'll, I'll, I'll get that for you. Can you imagine you know? them calling the restaurant, them yeah. sitting outside watching him, like, "Hey, <laughs> don't let him throw stuff away." You know, you know. Sometimes in the fast food restaurant, you get someone coming around. Oh, I'll get that for you. Pick it up. Maybe they did that because you have to have control. You have to be able to testify that. But that's a this third person. That person is, would have to. Testify, no, there was probably right? a cop. It was probably oh, someone. Yeah, yeah. So you have to testify that this, the bad guy, drank from this cup. Mm-hmm. And I secured it afterwards. You have to be able to show that. So, anyway, well, being in a fast food restaurant, wouldn't that like if they have cameras, wouldn't would they be able point. to use that? Good point. We don't know because the court case hasn't happened yet. But I mean, so, in general, yep. like if it, if yep. that was happening inside a restaurant with cameras, could they use that surveillance? Y- yes, uh huh, hundred oh. percent. So that's cool. Okay, so they secured a cup, right? And they tested for DNA. Yep, they compare it to the evidence from the murder. And on June 12th, 2019, detectives obtain an arrest warrant for Michael White. And they went in big. Yep. June 13th, he is arrested at his home in Thornton, Colorado, by members of the Violent Offender Fugitive Task Force, CSPD Cold Case Homicide Unit, and U.S. Army CID. And just wow. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so, a lot. So it'll... That's awesome. It'll be 34 years. So, you know, and they didn't give up. And thank goodness mm-hmm. for, for the DNA again. And I and have this to say... genetic genealogy, genealogy. Yeah, I have to say, I, I'm, I'm a fan of this genetic genealogy. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think everyone should put their DNA into Jedmatch. Ma- I think it's an awesome thing. Mm. Solving lots of cases. So... This he was arrested in 2019, and so he was taken to the Adams County Detention Facility on a no bond warrant for murder in the first degree. So that means yeah. he's, there's no bail, right? And it's correct. Okay, so my question is why? So why is he taken to a regular? I guess regular jail. Is okay, he's out. He's retired. So right. so let's let's go back. Let's assume that. It was 1987, and they caught him, mm-hmm. and he was active duty army. But it happened. It happened off it. The the crime happened in the jurisdiction of the Colorado Springs um, justice system. Mm-hmm. Even though the army, the army had jurisdiction over the offense and and over the person. So Both. they w- you're right. Both they people. didn't have jurisdiction over the place that it happened. So the the locals are gonna. They pretty much are always gonna maintain jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was a real small, small place, they might 
defer to the Army. But this is Colorado Springs, and even in 1987, they had the full justice system. It, so the the Colorado uh, justice system took the case, and they prosecute, prosecute, well, they're about to prosecute it through them. Now, the Army still has interest, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to take the, convic- the conviction, and they're going to assimilate it over to the Army, and then they'll so there's there's no real double jeopardy when it comes to the military justice. Right. Right. We've seen that. Right. So wh- whatever happens to him, let's say he gets life in prison. Right. We've seen that in one of the Netflix things. Which one? Jeffrey McDonald. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so. So oh goodness. Um, <laughs> so that's where I remember it from. Then the army will will punish him mm-hmm. as well. Uh, well. So there's a lot of things that have have to happen, right? So he's he's retired, presumably. So they're just gonna take the army away. could maybe recall him and then take away his, maybe bust him down. Um, I, this is kind of this is interesting. I want to follow this one because that's what I was gonna say. I've seen. Uh, I don't remember what case it was, but I've seen in one case where a guy was retired and they recalled him. Yeah, this just happened. This is was that go- recent? This is going on down in South Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah, yep. yeah. They recalled yeah. him to then charge so, him. So, but so I want to see how this one plays out mm-hmm. because they they may take administrative actions, right? To let's assume he's retired. They may once he gets convicted. I think he'll get convicted. If he is, right? we do have to say because yeah, the press right. release does say he is innocent well, until yeah. proven guilty. Well, when, you know, so it, it, the army could. Could sort of um, punish him in the army because it happened while he was on active duty, and maybe mm-hmm. they could. I, I don't know. He served 19 years. This is this is an interesting one. I want to see how it plays out. Does he lose his retirement? Does he? Do they we're bu- assuming do they he's bust retired. Him down? Right. We're assuming he's retired. So there was no information that I was able to find on but that. It 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 could go both ways, and I said it was a it was a joint case. But the local police department and the local justice system in Colorado Springs. They maintain jurisdiction over where the the crime happened, so that's that that's how it goes. They could have very easily probably again in 1987, depending on you know their resources and stuff, they could have easily deferred to uh, the military. That does happen a lot uh, because sometimes the military has better resources or they can act a little bit quicker yeah. on, on on something. Um, more strict too, right? But it, the army definitely has a, a vested. You know, they're going to close their file and they're going to they're going to convict this guy. The thing I'm not sure of is how does it affect his military career if he's getting a retirement or something. So I can imagine them like if he has an honorable discharge, y- y- they would turn that around. That, that's what I'm saying. So they could yeah. still they could still hear it in the military court. I think they can still hear it in the military court and convict them that way and reverse all, all that and give them dishonorable discharge and maybe they don't they don't maybe, have to recall maybe, them do they uh, no don't they veterans could, aren't you guys still held to the same standard yeah, if you do 20 it, plus years it, 19, they, 20 they years. could still so those are details i don't know but I, they mm-hmm. could still run it through the court system uh, you know the military justice and i, I want to see how this one plays out yeah so it is Technically, so when you go on the the Colorado Springs Police Department website, it is still listed as an open case because, like we said, he was arrested in June of 2019. So what I was thinking is, you know, that was June, December, January, February is when COVID started. So I was thinking that th- nothing has happened because of COVID. But I guess you said that there is a trial right, date. Right. So he has 
So he has a motions hearing on the 16th of April this mm-hmm. year. And then pretrial readiness conference happens June 4th. So, so later. it's okay. somewhere around the end of the summer. He'll probably be going to court th- this summer. Cool. So we're going to follow along with this case. And yeah, maybe we we'll have a, some we updates. Update you, sure. Yeah, because I, I am interested. So I'm, I'm happy for, yeah. you know, Darlene Crashock's family. Yes. It is pretty awesome over the years. I, You know, it sucks that it has to take so long. Mm-hmm. But the advances in technology between the phenotyping and the genealogy, it's just There's it's DNA crazy. all together, right? Yeah, DNA in general, but those two things also. The fact that they've been able to continue to work on these cases 30 plus years later mm-hmm. and now have some kind of resolution. So one thing I did want to mention for our listeners, because they watch the TV shows, <laughs> when when you have a DNA profile... And when you put it into the system that the FBI, FBI manages, that system is only of current bad guys. When you get arrested for a certain type of crime, they collect your DNA. And so if you're in prison, they collect your DNA. So it's only it only contains bad guys. So if somebody commits a crime, a horrible crime, for the first time, th- their DNA may not be in the system. So that that's that's all they're doing. They're just managing that that system of current current bad guys right also i wanted to highlight real quick the uh detectives you mentioned that there was over a hundred cases so it's more than 60 cases or what so more than so the cspd cold case oh yes what they have right right so it's the two detectives it's joe smosh smosky and jim isham and again i'm sorry i'm terrible at pronouncing names so they were under the direction of Sergeant Corey Dab, and I'm assuming he's with the Army CID. No, no, he's the police or sergeant. sergeant. Oh, police okay. Sergeant, yeah. <laughs> See, look, every time I hear a rank, yeah, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. think military. So they have been responsible for more than 100 unsolved homicide cases that date back to the 1940s. They're, they're responsible for it. Right. I, that doesn't say they solved them, but... I thought it was interesting back oh. to the... N- I thought it was interesting... I thought they did solve them. Back to the 1940s? That's, that's a long time. So people committing cr- murder in Colorado Springs in the 1940s. Do you know how many seasons? We're going to talk about Joe Kenda. Do you know how many seasons <laughs> of his show? <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> and right. he talks about all the uns- the cold cases that he had in the beginning mm. of the first few seasons, I think. Seriously. <laughs> what is it? What's yeah. It's Homicide Hunter. That's what it is. All right. Good one. This was a good one, Hannah. Yeah. Exciting. Was it exciting to talk about the genealogy? I'm really liking yeah. it. All right, guys. So thank you for listening in again this week. Again, if you haven't listened to the Susan Galvin case, go back and listen to that one because we did touch a little bit more on we, we deep di- dove into the genealogy and how that works. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't. And we will be here next week. You can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast for more behind the scenes, updates. I'll post all the information, like I said, for this case, different pictures, the one to add. Um, and then you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I have seen all of your rates and reviews. We've both seen them. We really appreciate them. We love hearing from you guys. You can message us on Instagram also. We'd love to hear your feedback. 
and that's at Apple Podcast. You can do that, and then you can also do that on Anchor.fm. Yeah, let us know how we're doing, and yeah. spread the word if you like it. Yes, please. Help us grow this family that we've created. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.